Citizen Reporter number 461, for the 16th of January, 2014, it's the Dubai Taxi Project. Voy en bicicleta por un camino de tierra, los coches aparcados tienen pelos de hierba, cuesta arriba, pero no me canso, y crecen flores por cada rincón que paso. I may have come to Dubai to listen to the stories of taxi drivers, but what I quickly figured out is there are many layers and many stories to the rapidly growing city that has attracted people from all over the world. So on my first day in Dubai, in between taxi rides, I did a quick search for healthy, quality cuisine in this extremely new neighborhood where I was staying. Now, although this massive area is filled with hundreds of restaurants, the internet somehow led me to Marta's workshop, where Marta Yangtze, originally from San Sebastian, Spain, and of course her talented staff, cook up a different menu every day. Marta's work represents what I think is a growing movement in a city that is more known for tall skyscrapers and massive shopping malls rather than small, unique neighborhood businesses. But the moment I sat down at the communal table in this modest and charming dining room, I knew something worth talking about was going on here. A thought that would be only further reinforced when I tasted the fantastically delicious dishes. And I won't even describe to you, at the risk of making you hungry or angry with jealousy, I decided the kind of person that would start such a place in this city, in this era, I definitely want to sit down and talk to her, not only about catering or creating something of her own in the Dubai context, but how it all influences every other part of her life. So instead of a Dubai taxi story today, this is the story of an emerging Dubai that might, dare I say, be more interesting than the one the world has come to know and admire. To start with, we have to go back to right around 2005. Marta Yangtze is living in Brussels, and she's got a degree in European law, graduating top of her class from ULB in Brussels. One would think the next step is obvious, when you're a talented lawyer in the headquarters of all things EU, I started working for the EU, you know, like for the European Commission, um, for Madrid's representation office and all that, and it, it, you know, it was fine. But then my husband got an offer in Dubai, so we decided to move here. And, um, and yeah, and I mean, what do I do in Dubai with European Union law? Not, not much. Right. So, it's interesting because, so your relationship with Dubai doesn't start because you were dreaming of coming here. No, I didn't even know where Dubai was. And to be honest, when we moved, I've been here for nine years, no one really knew where it was. I would get a lot of questions like, but how are you going to go there? Are you crazy? You're going to have to cover yourself. And uh, so where is that? Is it in Kuwait? I'm like, no, it's European. It's UAE, uh, United Arab Emirates. But no one really knew where it was. We didn't really know what to expect. And, uh, and I didn't like it at all. When I first came, I did not like it one little bit. Because um, this city has changed a lot. And it's growing beautifully. And but when I came, it just wasn't what it is. I I live across the street, literally across the bridge over there. You know, there's like villas on the other side. Yeah, I live right there. There was nothing here. All this all, where we are now, it was just sand. It was just desert. Yeah. So my husband worked uh, in downtown Dubai, 
and uh, he was away the whole day and he was also traveling and I was just stuck at home with 25 years old, no job, because what could I do with European Union law? So it, I, I didn't like it one little bit, yeah. Then I, um, I found a job as a uh, teacher in a university here. Um, uh, funny enough, it was a university from Brussels, so they were looking for a teacher for European law. Okay. Yeah, so I started doing that. And then, um, and this is when I tell you this city is changing a lot. I got pregnant and they basically sacked me because I got pregnant with my first son. They didn't do it, like, I, okay, so I, I had been working there for a Yeah, I, I, I had been working there for a year. And then uh, we negotiated the, the renewal of the contract. They were super happy with me. The director told me, you know, we're so happy. It's going so well. The students were happy and all that. And then about a month and a half after signing the renewal, I find out that I'm pregnant. So I just told them, because I thought I want to be honest, I was about six right. weeks. I calculated, my son was born end of June, so I thought, okay, I have time to do the whole year, and then just maybe I won't be able to sit for the exams. I'm, I won't be able to supervise, but then, you know, they can give me the kids' exams, I'll just correct them, blah, blah. And I told the guy, and he was like a little awkward, and then after a while, they just started uh, changing all my classes. They removed subjects. I had several subjects, like uh, contemporary history and stuff like that. They started removing subjects, and they just left me with like two subjects. And they, it was a university that also worked in the evening. The, the only classes they left for me were like from 10 p.m. to midnight. So it was pretty obvious, you know, that they no longer needed me or whatever. Yeah, so I just ended up leaving. And that's when I started focusing on uh, cooking. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, um, well, I've, I've always liked entertaining. And, uh, and yeah, and, and, you know, I have a very supportive uh, husband, which is, which is nice, you know, because he, he's, always, he's always like, yeah, you can do it, and let's go for it, let's give it a try. So, um, so yeah, I just started as a private chef. I, I told you earlier I would give livelets in people's houses and no one would call for weeks. Like, it would be weeks and weeks without one single call. Until once a lady, a French lady called me, she was having her daughter's first communion, and she was like, have you done something like that before? I'm like, yeah, for sure. I had never ever done an event. It was like 40 people, it wasn't that big, but for me at the time, it was crazy because I was by myself. And it turned out really well. And she loved it, and then somehow, you know, word started to spread, because this, People feel Dubai is huge, but it's actually not that big. Dubai is, is, is almost like a little village in some ways, you know, in the sense that everyone knows each other. Uh, and it works a lot by uh, word of mouth. Like, we, we don't advertise. We, I get a lot of calls from magazines and whatever asking us if we want to, you know, like advertise with them and they have packages and you pay only this and then you advertise for three months. We never do that. We just work on word of mouth and then, as you saw, like TripAdvisor, or Facebook, Twitter, that's it. But we don't spend money on those type of things, because we strongly believe in the power of word of mouth, and in Dubai it works really well. You're gonna get a lot of kitchen time. <laughs> it's Monday morning in the Swiss Tower, and we're down in Martha's workshop. Opening time is in a matter of minutes, and the business lunch crowd will surely be here. Marta is happy to tell me her story, but in an effort to have everything ready for the day, she has to keep moving, which gives me the chance to see how it all works following her around while asking her questions, including those important moments in the kitchen. You know that I can't afford not to be around. You're involved in everything. That's the thing, yeah, yeah. No, it's yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So I, I take all the calls, yeah. I develop all the menus, I, so it's, it's kind of hard work. It's, yeah. yeah. And you need to really be on top of it. I think the reason why we grew so fast, in a way, is because I'm always there, always there, you know? It's hard work, but it's, hmm. it's the only way, I think, you know? Yeah. 
that works yeah. for you. So. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure, for sure. It's exhausting. I'm not sure I'm going to reach 50 years of age. I'll probably die of a heart attack before that. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's, it's worth it. I really like yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, hang on a second. This is Dubai, land of the Burj Khalifa, the Atlantis, the most luxurious hotel in the world, the world's largest indoor ski slope, and you've heard about the underwater restaurant. Could a city with values like that ever understand something as simple as a chef that greets each customer, serves them their meals, in a place that seats around 16 people? Dubai is the biggest, the greatest, everything is the hugest, and then, and then there's us, and we're the smallest, the tiniest, we just have five tables. Yeah. But you know, European people long for that. Yeah. A, a lot of clients that we have are from Europe, and as a matter of fact, the other day, and I was so happy, we had this, uh, I think they were Russian, I'm not sure. Um, they were here in the tower and they came and tried the food and then the other day they came back for uh, lunch and it turned out it was the lady's birthday. Okay. And she chose from all places in Dubai our little tiny restaurant to celebrate her birthday because she said, I needed that cozy feeling, you know, of yeah. being in like a homegrown place, you know, like yeah. homey and... Uh, yeah. I think people who've been in Dubai for a while are getting a little tired of the whole chain thing. Mm -hmm. Or we, I mean, we're very lucky in that we have fantastic restaurants and we have some amazing chefs that decide to open the restaurants here. But unfortunately, it's very difficult to see them in the restaurant itself. You know what I mean? Like, yes. restaurant by whomever, but whomever maybe just comes once a month for two days. And that's that's all you get, you know? And, and I think people like really have that need for, for successful Dubai stories, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and because this city is so international, we are all, I mean, my son was, both, both my sons were born here. And if you ask them, where are you from? They'll say Dubai. They're super proud of being from Dubai, you know? Like it's, yeah. so I think more and more, because this is a very young city, it's taken a while, yeah. but it's starting to, to, to sort of grow in that sense. We're like in the teenage years or whatever, and we're yeah. sort of figuring out what we want to do. And, and I feel certainly in the hospitality industry, we're moving a lot towards, uh, you know, family owned businesses and so on, which is fantastic. And it's, there's a few now. So the era of small business and trying a unique idea may very well have arrived in Dubai. And I'm sure you'd like to know, as I would, how does it work? starting a business as a foreigner in an emirate of the UAE. We know it's a wealthy country, we know they love business, but does that mean, for example, you get financial help from the government? We get help in what sense? In the sense that they are allowing free zones like this one, like the MCC, yeah? And that makes our life very easy because it's easy to get a license, it's not very expensive. Explain that briefly, uh, free zones. Yeah. So free zone basically is like a little paradise within the UAE, okay? So it's an area, I mean, when you, when you start a business in the UAE, 51% of that business needs to belong to an Emirati, okay? At least in the paper, in the contract. Then you can have private contracts and sort of work that out some other way if you want, but that's the law, okay? But then there are the free zones. And what the free zones do is they allow people like me to have our own business and for it to be 100% owned by me. Okay, um, which gives you a lot of peace of mind because at the end of the day, this is like, I don't know, buying a car and having to share it with someone you don't even know, you know, and they get to drive it, but you're the one that's paying for the gas, the service and everything else, you know? So I thought, why am I gonna open a catering company or, or a restaurant and have someone take more of half than what I earn yeah. when that person is not even gonna be here cooking with me, they're not gonna, you know, and it's just kind of weird in that sense. So I guess in that sense, yes, they are, they are pretty open because they're allowing us to run our own businesses. In the sense of help, like, like you would understand it in, in the Western world, like, I don't know, in Spain, uh, you get um, like economic help 
uh, or aid for, for young entrepreneurs, oh, yeah. things like that. We don't have anything like that here. They do have it for Emiratis, but they wouldn't have it for, for uh, expats. Yeah. yeah. So we, I mean, we don't have help in that sense. Then at the same time, we don't have uh, taxes. Right, I mean, you have them. You, yeah, you, I mean, yeah. you do have them indirectly, I tell you, because, right. I mean, there's so many, so many papers and licenses and things that you need here. I mean, some of them, like, you wouldn't even think they would exist. And in that way, obviously, they're taxing you, you know, indirectly, but they are, you know, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course, I mean. It all evens out. Comes out uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Everyone says, oh, here, you don't pay any taxes. This is the place to work. This is the place to have a business. And I was wondering, and that's part of what I wanted to hear, yeah. uh, where it comes out somewhere else, because for sure the government wants oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It we comes out somewhere else. On roads. For instance, things like uh, uh, the food and hygiene uh, basic uh, permit or basic certificate. You need to renew that every year. Why? Because every year you need to get your chefs to do the, the uh, course, which obviously costs money, pay for the exam, and then get the certificate printed out once a year. Yeah. In Europe, it's I a bit too much. I mean, maybe it's not necessary to do it. I mean, it's super necessary to have them trained, for sure. But do you really need to renew it once a year? I'm not sure. At the same time, they need to get the money somewhere to do all of this. What I notice as I speak with business owners, and even, believe it or not, taxi drivers, is that there is a spirit of try it, take a risk, go for it, in this city. It sometimes sounds like everyone has been programmed to say this, when a microphone is on especially. But I'm here to tell you, I've listened day in, day out. This can't be brainwashing. There is something different about starting your project in this town compared to anywhere else. It evens out. I mean, I always say Dubai treats me well. I can't, I, I can't say anything else. It's, it has its teething problems. It's a very young city, but it's, it's, I think it's doing a good job. I mean, and it's allowing people like me to make their dreams come true. I honestly doubt I would have ever had the courage to do something like this in Madrid. I would have been too scared. Because at the same time, it's a city that is contagious in the sense that, and this is mostly Dubai. I mean, I don't know about the rest of the UAE. I can't really talk. But in Dubai, Dubai is a city where you, you know, you come, I don't know, you say, you know what, I've just thought I'm going to pink boats in pink and I'm going to drive people around and spin in Dubai Marina. What do you think? And people will tell you, yeah, why don't you give it a try? It's a great idea. Go for it, you know? And, and that's sort of contagious. And then you can come up with the randomest ideas mm -hmm. and people will encourage you to give it a try. And you give it a try. And the funny thing is, a lot of times it does work, you know? We don't have that spirit in Europe anymore. You know, it's like, are you sure? But it's so risky. <laughs> but what are you going to do? You'll have to get a loan from the bank. And what if it doesn't work? Bear in mind you have two kids, you know? Whereas here it's like, go for it. And if it doesn't work, well, you try something else, you know? And that's, that's really, I mean, that's something I really like about this city, right? Yeah. Let's set aside the business part of this conversation. One of my favorite things about meeting people living and working in this place is to hear about their life has changed since the time they arrived to the time they started a business and, and beyond. Family, kids, plans. There's nothing routine about these details. When you live in a country where you can never really become a citizen, for example, but you could still feel really at home over the course of years or decades. It's a difficult, I mean, it's, this is not for 
European people or, or depending on what background you come from, obviously if you tell Emirates this is not a real place, they'll tell you what are you talking about. We're from here and it's real, 100%, touch it, you know. But for people like me, this is not, not a, a sort of real background to grow up in, you know. So you, you need to be very careful. I mean, it's fantastic but for young kids to grow up in because it's such an easy city, because the weather is so amazing, because we get help. I mean, we're very far away from home. If I didn't have help at home, how on earth would I run my own business with two little boys? You know, so in that sense, it is a very easy city, but at the same time, they get used to things that are not the real life. You know, they can get a bit spoiled. And that's something that we actually discuss quite a lot, my husband and I. When what are we going to do? Is there a right time for us to leave Dubai? Or, And we honestly don't really know. I mean, I, I think we're always going to be, um, we, we're always going to have one foot, I'm sorry, in Dubai because... Yeah. Um, well, you've invested quite a lot of time, yeah, energy, and, money. And, 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 and it's, honestly, I don't think I would ever leave this city. Uh, I mean, I like this, the lifestyle. I love the weather. Mm-hmm. I've got a successful business. We are happy here. I don't think, and, and we've spent nine of the most important years in our lives here. We got married when we were coming here. We've had our two boys. We've had our, bus- bus- our first business uh, opened in Dubai. So we're always going to be linked. Whether at some point we should move back, well, probably we should. I, I don't even think I would go back to Spain. I mean, what do you go back to? You know, that's the thing. That's the tricky part. You come here and you get used to a certain lifestyle, and then it's not so easy to go back. Yes, you, you, you miss certain things. And yes, at some point we will go back to Europe, not necessarily to Spain, but I, I, I don't know. I, this is a debate. Honestly, I can't even give you a straight answer because it's something that we don't even know. We, we don't even know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would like the boys at some point to go back to Europe just to experience what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, mm. yeah. Yeah, you remind me like there are two sort of worlds I see sometimes in this. Uh, one is this sort of futuristic utopia, and I know it's much more complicated than that, but when I see, like, especially here, a new area, yeah. I'll see lots of Indian families, uh, I've seen African families, yeah. I see lots of different kinds of, like, Russians, I can hear them talking, and Europeans, and we're all kind of together here. Yeah. Um, it strikes me as some kind of new middle class or something That's like that. Right. That's right. Yeah, because it's not yeah. super, I've stayed with some people here, and they're not doing super, super yeah. well, they're just doing that's, okay. And that's, I'm sorry, but that's a really important point. Somehow people think that if we do live in Dubai, we're all millionaires, and that's not true. And it's not true anymore. There used to be a time when people would come to Dubai and you would have these amazing packages with everything paid and super crazy salaries. That's not the case anymore. Why? Because this city is growing and it's becoming a normal city like any other city. And there's, as you say, a middle class. I think so, yeah. 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 And so, but it starts to look like some kind of ideal future. You know, we talk about New York. Yeah. I, I was raised in the shadow of New York and... and different cities in, in Europe and we say like oh look at this you know many nations or many nationalities living next to each other every now and then Dubai shows me a sort of the whole world is here yeah, and true. the whole world gets along although of course we have inequalities in this in yeah. this each we have a lot of inequalities but again that's changing as well yeah. I mean they're, they're, at least they're trying you know I think it's gonna take a while um, unfortunately yes not everyone is treated the same way in Dubai I think it's changing slowly, very slowly, but I mean, I think we're on the good path. And I think it's beautiful, as you say, that we can all live together. We're so mixed and we're living together. And and yes, a lot of people will say, yeah, but it's because, I mean, if not, what happens? You get deported and all that. Yeah, but don't forget, we're in a region where um, there's a lot of conflict and there's people from different nationalities living together in other countries and or even from the same nationality but with different ideas and they're they're literally like fighting against each other and killing each other and that doesn't happen here we've managed to somehow all in you 
I mean, that's the beauty about it. You know, my son in his class has 26 nationalities, or in, in sorry, in the whole year, they have 26 nationalities. That's pretty amazing, you know. Yeah. And for him, it's just as normal to talk about Diwali as it is to talk about uh, Ramadan and about Christmas. And it's just all normal, and he has all these questions, but he just sort of respects it because it's just the normal thing for him. He doesn't, he's not growing with all this prejudice that we may have had. You know, I, I, I recognize it. When I first arrived in Dubai nine years ago and I stepped out of the plane and I saw the guys with the kanduras and the ladies with the abayas, I was like, oh my God, where am I? Yeah. You know? And and you, you and we, I mean, my husband works for a semi-governmental company, so so we do have a lot of uh, relation with Emiratis and we're looking that, I mean, his best friend is an Emirati guy and, and not a lot of expats interact with the Emiratis also because the community is so small. But in our case, we've been lucky enough to have quite a few Emirati friends and they're just like you and I, you mm -hmm. know, and they have the same worries and they laugh about the same things. And it's just beautiful to see, you know, I, I, in a way, you know, if more people saw that, yeah. I mean, this sounds really, yeah, this is the, the hugest utopia I'm going to say, but, but we would, yeah. no, but we would get along a lot better yeah. probably, you know, because it opens your eyes a bit. Yeah. No, and, and people that I tell that we tell these stories will say oh yeah we know we have New York we've had yeah. London uh, but I, I sometimes I think like is this could be like the New York of our era or yeah. better or, yeah. or depending yeah. on where it goes and the beauty the, the beautiful part about this is that we are mixing a lot of uh, religions and all that and and yes yeah you have New York and you have London but I have friends here who have been to New York and to London wearing their abayas and they did not get the reaction you would expect you know what I mean so yeah, God knows. I mean, I, we'll see what happens with Dubai. I think no one really expected it to grow as much as it's done and as, as well as it's growing, you know? I mean, we've got all these areas. I remember when JLT started being built, people thought it was going to be completely empty. They were like, oh, this is crazy. I remember I was the first um, uh, commercial sort of uh, tenant this building had, the Swiss Tower, and the Swiss Tower is packed right now and it's one of the most successful towers in the JLT and one of the most popular you know God knows what's gonna happen with the rent when I renew that really scares me right, right. but you know I, I just said this is gonna work and it worked out pretty well and this this is like actually a really good location right now and it's a hot spot JLT mm -hmm. is becoming a hot spot mm -hmm. and and a couple of years back everyone was criticizing it and saying it's never gonna work and it's yeah. and it's perfect for middle class as you say because we have like nice apartments yeah. but it doesn't have to be over the top and it's right. yeah. Oh, it's very interesting. It's interesting to see, uh, and, and this all, you know, occurred to me when I sat down here in your restaurant, and I started hearing about your life. On. Yeah, yeah, no, it's time to go to work. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Marta, thanks so much, and uh, I think you know everybody listening and myself. Yeah. We wish you good luck. Yeah, thank and, you. Uh, Let's I'll, see what happens. Yeah, exactly. I'll keep you updated. Exactly. Updated. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> thanks so much. Thank you. Take a down low when I'm home Click and take me now what I'm set I'm wrong, come on That was the story of Marta Yangtze and Marta's workshop. No, it isn't a taxi story, but it is an interesting part of this big Dubai puzzle that, honestly, few media organizations ever dedicate the time and energy to look at in its entirety. My original inspiration and my focus is still taxi drivers, but what you might notice when you listen to Marta, and I've noticed in and out of the taxi cabs, there's something bigger going on here, and it interconnects everyone. Like the fictional delinquent character in The Wire by the name of Zenobia once explained, 
we got our thing, but it's just part of the big thing. Now this isn't The Wire, and it's definitely not Baltimore. It's Dubai. But they got their thing, and it's part of this bigger thing. This podcast is produced by myself with the help from you, the listeners, specifically those who supported the Dubai Taxi Project via Kickstarter and PayPal. Special thanks to those who, in the last week, have pledged your support in the aftermath of me losing my place to stay and having to couch surf and Airbnb my way through all these weeks. All is well now, and I owe much of that to you. So if you haven't supported my work and you'd like to, head over to citizenreporter.org, where you will find some articles about many of the Dubai taxi drivers I've already featured, and you can also click support to help keep this type of reporting and communicating alive. Until next time, I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro from Dubai. Thanks for listening. See ya. Take a download